welcome, welcome, welcome back to the No No Bad Dudes podcast. It is Super Bowl week, so we thought we'd bring you our end of year, end of season, kicking off the off-season sort of pod. Uh, My name is Brad Anderson. I am the not-so-proud owner of Luke. 2021 loser team. Is that my team name? Let me check. Yes. Just 2021 loser. Um, I'm joined by my co-host. Eamon Ducey with the Gnarly Sacks. Ah, sticking with the the OG name. It's off-season time. It's off-season time. Uh, So today, we are uh, going to talk just some... Football stuff. So much has happened since our last uh, podcast, including, you know, our championship and then all the NFL playoffs and soon in six days, the Super Bowl. So to kick things off, uh, I'm going to eat some humble pie and (laughs) say that my uh, preseason take of uh, the Bengals not being a good offensive team this year was, uh, you know, indicative of uh, maybe all my takes this year, which ended up having me in the bottom of the league. Um, and I will say that I am rooting. I am rooting. I don't know if they're my picks. Stay tuned until the end of the season or end of the pod. Um, I am rooting for the Bengals with all my heart to win uh, this week and beat the LA Rams. Um, Eamon, what's going on with you over there? Uh, not, not much, just, um, you know, digging into all this off-season stuff and, uh, you know, uh, watching some stuff in this league get brought up and talked about and, uh, you know, as we'll get into it, but the, I think this coaching stuff and what Ryan Flores has brought to a forefront is, uh, you know, it's it's going to change some stuff. I don't think people realize what some of the stuff he said will do, but I think it will impact. And I, I you know, I hope it doesn't cost him his career as a head coach, but uh, at least for this season, it looks like it has. Unless Norton yes. changes their mind. I, I think I, I just, know. I think I just got a ESPN alert that they're hiring Dennis Allen, maybe. I just Ugh. see that. You know, no, not good. I mean, he's fine. I just, um, I thought he was the, I thought that was the New Orleans was the perfect spot for guys like Ben Enemy, B Enemy, and uh, Leftwich, who are like, you know, these these office and geniuses. I feel like often need like a well structured organization around them, and I think New Orleans has proven to be that. Because um, I thought. Personally, Left was made a very smart decision to not walk into that dumpster fire of uh, of Jacksonville and say like, "Well, I'll go in, but I want this person running the show." You get Trent Balky out of there. Um, he wanted to bring in Adrian Wilson from the Cardinals. Um, so, like, I just thought I was hoping one of those guys would end up in New Orleans and see like see what that was like. But uh, Dennis yeah. Allen, I Dennis I, Allen, it's it's now. Uh, official that he's the head coach. 
I so. feel this is a I think this is like totally like a rebuild year and they're I don't know if Dennis Allen's the coach yeah. next year. Um so let's just kind of like we're gonna be flexible during this conversation. Uh today we've got a couple topics we want to hit and our our big thing will be breaking down kind of Henry's road to the championship and uh we're gonna look over his draft and comment on the moves that we really liked and that had a big impact on uh on his overall season and then kind of the in-season uh moves that he made that uh were that propelled him to a championship but like i said we're gonna first talk about some nfl stuff so because we kind of just seamlessly got into it let's seamlessly get back into it and talk about these head coaches um and so there's been there were nine vacancies correct coming into the or nine vacancies in the nfl season or off season uh and most of them have been filled now with the news of dennis allen so let's quickly um talk about which ones are good ones and which ones are bad ones not quickly take as much time as we want Sure. Uh, I guess we can start with, I think he was the first one technically hired, which was the Giants head coach, uh, Brian Dayball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, I think you guys asked me, or I don't know if there was anybody else on the pod who I who I wanted, and I was like, I think I was like, yeah, I kind of want Biennemi, and uh, I'd like him to come with somebody from Kansas City as a management. Um, so... That didn't happen in that way, but, you know, it's the same idea that they brought an offensive coordinator and they have executive from the same team. So there's at least a working understanding. And I think as, as a Giants fan, um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot in this hire and what thinking about the last 10 years have been because, you know, I think I think Jerry Reese was a very poor general manager. Um I think he drafted seven. I, I didn't look up the stat today, but what, last week I prepared and I just didn't put it anywhere. Um, I think he, looked, he drafted seven Pro Bowl players in 11 years. That is about as atrocious as you can do. That was Eli Manning's prime. So like when people want to trash on Eli Manning, he Eli Manning will have played with, maybe OBJ comes back and saves his career. I don't think he will. Um, but... Oh, Eli Manning will have only played with one Hall of Famer. Like, it'll be Whoa. just straight in. So, like, you know, when we talk about these great quarterbacks, like, yeah, some of it is they make them better, but, you know, Ben Roethlisberger had Troy Polamalu, Joey Porter, uh, James Harrison. Like, he played with a lot of Hall of Famers, and I think, you know, the Giants organization really just had stopped bringing in talent in the draft, not by choice, but just they couldn't draft well. Um, and all these hires, it seems like no matter who they were bringing in as coach or manager, they were not changing up their scouting department, um, which was the big, the big promise this off season from the owner. It's like whoever comes in and runs the team, um, this, this Shane guy, um, basically now can blow out the, all the scouts and say like, this is what we're looking for in players. This is the type of players we want. This is what we value. This is what we don't value. Um, so I think, I think, you know, Brian Dayball represents that. And I think the hope is that like, if, 
if Dayball can trust the guy in the GM's office, he doesn't have to necessarily figure out all the other stuff, but he can focus on building a game plan around Daniel Jones and figuring out, like, is this the guy? And if it's not the guy, they'll just be like, well, next year we'll just draft somebody's replacement. Or, you know, it seems like these quarterbacks, we'll get into this later, but now with Kyler possibly trying to get traded. Um, yeah, really weird stuff happening like- Last 24 I, hours there. I, I think it's possible the Giants could just end up trading for a QB next offseason. So, um, you know, I'm I'm somewhat excited. Like, I, I think, you know, I do really think the Giants weren't that far off this year. It was just, you know, it was the Jason Garrett stuff. You know, they had Jason Garrett and they forced Jason Garrett onto Joe Judge. And, like, you know, I don't – I think that was, like, well-intentioned. But it just was, like – it was such a mistake because – it's clear that Jason Garrett, the game's passed by. Like, he was very much of a moment, and he was right right place, right time with Tony Romo, and they just had way more talent on offense than everybody else, and they threw up crazy numbers, and then, you like, just, it's just, it's very clear Jason Garrett can't think outside of the way he thinks about football. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the, the David hiring, too. Like, uh, you know, like an organization like the Giants, you know, as much as I'd like to rag on you and give you a hard time, it's like when the Giants are a good team, uh, it's it's good for the league. Like when, you know, I don't know, the Jets have never really been good, but like the Jets and the Giants, um, when the, a New York team is good, it's just better for, um, I, I just feel like, the gate like they'll get a lot of primetime games and um it's good for the media markets and they're just one of those big brands um and i think you know as you know as this league knows uh i'm a big like saquon barkley fan um and i want that guy to succeed uh so bringing in a coach that you know has got some hype around him did a good job up in Buffalo and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a glimmer of hope in, in otherwise pretty dark uh, last couple of years. Okay. So I'm going to run through the other ones just so everyone knows, and then we'll come back and talk about a, a few of the other, uh, you know, maybe one or two that excite you or like totally uh, go, well, that's a weird one. So Mike Eberflus from, Indianapolis defensive coordinator uh, to uh, the Chicago Bears. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, offensive coordinator from the Green Bay Packers to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Mike McDaniel, which was announced yesterday, this is being recorded um, on a Monday, to the Miami Dolphins. He's the OC that was in San Francisco. Josh McDaniels of New England fame and truck at one point people thought of possibly being of Indianapolis Colts fan or Colts fame, but that didn't happen. He is headed to the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Doug Peterson to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Super Bowl winning coach, Doug Peterson, uh, Kevin O'Connell, who I don't really know that much about, but he's the, uh, coordinator, um, from the Rams and he's going to the Minnesota Vikings. And then, you know, within the last 24 hours, Lovey Smith to the Houston Texans and uh, Dennis Allen, who uh, is the defensive coordinator 
of the New New Orleans Saints gets bumped up to the head coaching. So which of the hirings, the coaches hirings, is like, do you think is the right fit? Like, are that you're excited about and its impact kind of on fantasy, uh, maybe also in the NFL? Uh, and then which team are you like, uh, or the coaching, are you not so excited about or least excited about? So I'll, I'll start. Fact. Yeah, so I'll start with um, the the guy who I think will probably have the biggest fantasy impact because obviously we're a fantasy podcast and that's how we're focused. Mm-hmm. Um so I think Mike McDaniels in Miami, um, I will say, like, I see a lot of, uh, he is biracial, and I see a lot of jokes that are not going to, I think, go well long-term once we kind of get more perspective on this type of stuff. Um, so that's where I'll, I'll stand with that, just that part of it. But he is, he does come from San Francisco. He has a lot of these crazy press conferences where he explains that he fundamentally believes in the idea of, like, we want to do stuff that's different because it slows down the defense. So this 0.1 second hitch in every defense where it's like, because I think I think the the most big claim to fame one was they asked, why do you pitch to hand off on inside runs? Um, and it's like, because nobody else does. Like, that's the only explanation. He doesn't say there's a, like it works better or anything like that. It just, it's different from everybody else. So, you know, I think that will make a lot more players relevant in Miami with maybe limited upside. Um, Like, I don't think, I don't think Jalen Waddell will be Debo Samuel this year. Um, I'm wondering if they choose a different type of player to be more of the gadget, like run downhill, or maybe Jalen Waddell's speed is so fast. They'll just be like, he'll just be more jukey than Samuel was strong. Um, I think, you know, whoever they draft as a running back will be somebody I'm very interested in. I'm guessing Willie will take him three rounds before I will. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that'll be an interesting player. And I think Tua, I think Tua this kind of locks him into most weeks being QB 14 to 24, where it's like he'll probably get one passing touchdown. He'll throw for 180 yards. Like, he will be solid and a contributor, and you can start him and, in the dream world, he's your QB3. Um, but I don't think he's going to get to 4,500-yard passing because I don't think they'll want to do that. I don't think he's going to have 45 touchdowns passing because um, I think they'll want to try to hand off inside or some other gadget play. So I, I think it makes Miami more interesting. Um, and, like, you know, Gusecki, could they make Gusecki into Kittle? That would be interesting. Um, just, you know. I think that's the most interesting, exciting one. Yeah, I I like it too. Like, you know, um, for all the reasons that you said, I I think, you know, unlocking what a player's potential is, uh, they've they've done that pretty well in um, San Francisco. Uh, And I don't know if it's like a one-to-one with, like you said, Jalen Waddle and Debo Samuel, but I like, It'll be interesting to see what they can do with a Jalen Waddle, who already had a great season, uh, rookie season. Um, and, and, you know, you look at, like, Tua and Jimmy G, and it's like Tua is more athletic, you know, can do bootlegs, can do um, get outside of the pocket and throw. Um, so, you know, is he a better, like a way better quarterback? I, I, I don't know that for sure, but I think that the, there are some uh, – facets to 
to his game that Jimmy G didn't have or doesn't have. Um, and <clears throat> they have, uh, what was it? The 20, they have the 26th pick, the 26th pick. And it's oddly from the 49ers. I was looking at their, their breakdown here. They have two picks from the 49ers in swaps. Uh, so, um, you know, and last year, Najee Harris went at 24, I believe, 23, something like that, to um, the Steelers. And so maybe that's around where they pick someone like uh, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State or like, you know, James Cook from Georgia. Like, maybe that's where, um, you know, that's where the first running back comes off the board. Uh, I know that people like to fade running backs in the draft. So um, maybe that's where the RB1 in this year's draft comes off, whoever they think it is, and they they burn uh, their pick on that. But uh, Cheryl, let me jump to the one that (laughs) I know you won't be excited about, but uh, uh, I am interested and and I'm glad, I mean, there were, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring Doug Peterson. I was like, I was like Byron Leftwich or like Doug Peterson. Either of those guys would have been like great because they're focusing on the development of Trevor Lawrence and how like I just want more good quarterbacks and I and I don't want to hear a story about um, how uh, you know the quarterback a good quarterback just landed in a bad spot and was didn't have the chance to develop because of the regime or whatever was there. Um, you know, Doug Peterson was there uh, in Philadelphia and won a Super Bowl uh, and brought, got like an MVP season out of Carson Wentz and got Nick Foles and like had Nick Foles performing at a Super Bowl MVP level. Um, and so I think that this is exciting for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base, um, which is something they can't say too often. Um, and especially after this year was such a disappointment. And, uh, you know, you're hearing stories about that amazing final game uh, where the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Colts to like throw a wrench in all of the playoff scenarios. Um, and that, you know, with Urban Meyer out of there, uh, Trevor Lawrence started to become more of a leader. Uh, in that game, it was like talking to everybody and being vocal. And so maybe it was a down year and they bring in a coach who uh, has, you know, a history of leading, a uh, history of kind of taking a franchise that w- was bad at the time. And over, you know, a few years, however long it was, five years or so, uh, that he was there getting them to a Super Bowl and winning it. So, you know, I would have been cool with Byron Leftwich or um, Doug Peterson, but, uh, you know, here's a little thing. I there I was up for a job that was going to take place in Jacksonville, so I did, like, a deep dive on the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and their season tickets and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, maybe it's just all the, the focus that I put onto them and their needs uh, that got me jazzed uh, when they did that. But that's, uh, you know, who doesn't want the number one pick to be successful and um, 
James Robinson to be great and to for you know Travis Etienne to do a good job. So that's the one. If you know my level of excitement, um, a big deep dive on the Jacksonville Jaguars because I thought that there was a chance that I I could be moving there because of a job. Uh, so I was like season tickets, blah blah blah, and looking at their needs and who they could draft and all the outcomes. So maybe I'm just a, a little bit more interested in the Jacksonville Jaguars than other places. Uh, so that's why I got excited about like, okay, Byron with Peterson and, uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, the AFC South becomes more competitive. I mean, I, I, I particularly despise that hire for multiple reasons. <laughs> I, do, uh, I, do. I mean, I mean, he literally, he literally blew up the psyche of his number two QB that he was all for trading all those picks for um and like seemed like he was trying to get fired and he's now working with this gm that like the f- last four years he's run a team he's fired four coaches um so this just feels like full calamity like and like it's unclear if Doug peterson's gonna make trevor lawrence any better if he's gonna play head games with you know Carson Wentz um I you know I think I I still stand by this I said it in the season and I said it like I I think like when we talk about coaching like there's this and this will also go into the thing when we we probably will go more into the Brian Flores stuff at some point maybe it won't be this podcast whatever because it might go too long but I do think like there is this like culture of like if you don't win everything, it means nothing. And you should always constantly tear everything down unless you're the Super Bowl champion. And like what people don't get is who I thought should have got the job, which was Jim Caldwell, um, is creating a team that wins double digit games regularly and competes every week and isn't just like lucking random is a is like seventeen steps away from where the Jaguars are. And you know what what Peterson did in Philadelphia was like he took him to the Super Bowl, he won it, and then he fucking burnt it down two years later because he was bored or whatever the fuck he was doing because he was interested in like making a point or he was arguing with somebody. I have no idea what was going on with that, but that was there's few situations like the Eagles where it was like they weren't as bad as they were when they had that high pick because they they just had a weird Chip Kelly outer thing going on, but. He built it up to a Super Bowl champion and tore it down so fast that it's it's alarming and I, I don't I don't think like an organization as poorly run as the Jaguars have proven. Um, because I think what happens is people talk to Shad Khan and he's like a nice guy and he says he really cares about winning. But like it's clear that by hiring Peterson over a guy like Caldwell who will teach these guys how to win seven games next year. And then next year they'll win probably ten. And, like, maybe Jim Caldwell is probably not your Super Bowl coach, but he'll create a team that's very good and then you can bring in the right guy, you know. Um, you know, this happened with Dungy in Tampa where it's, like, even if, like, Dungy's a better coach than Gruden, they needed somebody else to come in, but Tony Dungy saved that Tampa Bay franchise. Like, he rebuilt them on a level. And I just – I thought Caldwell's a much better fit because, like, you don't have to – like, there is, like, a, a – a chance there's a percentage greater than zero that Peterson will blow up Trevor Lawrence. 
I don't think that would be true about Jim Caldwell. And I think that's, I think that's why I don't particularly like that hire. Um, and I think they're farther away from winning than they want to admit to. But Okay, so besides Doug Peterson then, because you don't like that fit, what's another one? Now we'll both do fits that, unless that was your one that you like the least, what is the fit that you don't like or the fit that, or the one that you're least excited? Um, I, you know, I guess I'm, I'll go, I mean, this is tough. I'll go Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I think it's weird that a guy who has been around the league for 10 years or so and was up in Seattle and was some, I think he was with maybe the Jets. I don't know. He was at a couple different places where they literally were saying like how uncreative his play design was. Um, and I don't know if this is just, they're hoping they can trick Aaron Rodgers to coming to Denver or not. But like, you know, I think again, I'll just reference the Brian Flores thing. It's like, and they're selling their team. So it's just so weird how this team's run and like whether or not John Elway was drunk or they were out late the night before doing another interview and flying back and whatever, like all those facts is like, it just sells to me like that Denver team like it feels like they won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, and then they just fucking have been on senioritis from high school, where it's like, ah, whatever, we'll figure it out. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't make me feel great about it. And also, like, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know if like bringing Aaron Rodgers to this team will make a significant difference because I think their defense is going to start folding off as they keep getting older and uh you know i don't yeah i don't i'm not particularly excited about that it doesn't make me feel like i'm not like oh jerry judy's finally going to be competent or Cortland Sutton will be back to what he was like i don't know i'm not inspired i guess the biggest the biggest takeaway that could be a positive is if they don't re-sign melvin gordon um javante williams could have like aaron williams or aaron jones like season yeah, mine was that too. Like I'm, I I don't really. My, so it, it's kind of with, with Mike McDaniel, but, but not really because it, it's been pretty public that, uh, him and Kyle Shanahan like worked in tandem on that offense. Uh, I I, I don't know like who, when you have an OC, coming from somebody who's under the head coach who does the play calling and like does oh like that's his side of the ball um to have somebody who's like oh like you have matt matt lafleur who you know who i think is a pretty damn good coach you know he has his flaws he's still young in his head coaching career um but i think the uh, future is bright for him and i'm really happy that he's a packer um and you have this guy who's under him and maybe you know who knows that how the inner workings of that relationship but like it it does seem like a a move to hopefully lure aaron Rodgers away which i hope they do um and i, I like i don't know what else like yeah it's a good offense but is it because you have matt lafleur there and um 
Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, who's the top five wide receiver in the league, and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Like you have a very good like group of players. I, I don't know if, if it's like, oh, you know who's a real star of that is Nathaniel Hackett. Um, and, you know, Rodgers has talked him up and said he's great and blah, blah, blah. But like, whatever. Like, who cares? <laughs> like, I just don't, you know, I'm kind of over the whole uh, listening to Aaron Rodgers at all. So that's most likely it's going to be like, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be either, you know, True Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. And is he going to be able to get like a lot out of those guys? Like, I don't know. So anyway, that was my, my kind of like, went wow. Uh, so just a couple of things that you bring up. I do think that they're going to be in the market for all these quarterbacks who want out. Like, I, I don't think they're going to limit themselves to Aaron Rodgers, um, which we'll get back to Aaron Rodgers in a second. But, like, if Kyler's on the market, I think they will also probably try to get into the Sean Watson stuff. And if Russell Wilson is attainable, I think those were, I think they're fully committed in saying, like, we're going to do this. Um, I, I also think now they're kind of in this box where, like, I think they think they're going to be able to trade Jerry Judy, like, as a first rounder. And that's probably not going to happen. Um, now after like a second year where it's like, what are you, man? You're not great. Um, but just for the record, cause I want to get this out early. Cause I think I was going to talk about this at one point, um, before everything was finalized, but there's 0% ch- chance Aaron Rodgers is retiring this year. Do you know how upset he would be if he had to go in the same class as Tom Brady? There's like That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. There's a sure. zero like he he he's going to get off on like these leaks like oh he let, he wants to go play in Tennessee. Like all of his leaks are so fucking apparent that it comes directly from somebody who's feeding it is just like like man, do you even know how to hide this at all? Um I forget even what the latest like leak story was that was just like well, what is that? that's just nonsense. Um but yeah, I think he and I mean he, I I I also think he's so scarred from this year and he's so inside his own head about all this shit that like, I can't imagine him leaving Green Bay. Like, I think he's there too. I think he stays. I mean, could you imagine an owner in the NFL who wants to bring in that guy who's just trying to get attention and have to give up three first round picks and feel like maybe he'll play two more years? But, but like that's why I, I think that the Denver thing is a, a possibility. Like you were just mentioning that, you know, um, there kind of there is some dysfunction going on. Now, now would he be like, yeah, let me go there if there's so much dysfunction going on? But um, yeah, my bet too is that he just stays with Green Bay and just tries to keep the spotlight on himself by you know stringing people along, and uh, we're way over the cap, and we'll blah 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 blah. And, lose a lot of guys that make the team the the team's core really good because we have to pay him so much money um and so just, yeah uh, go ahead. and just like a little journalism amon's journalism degree corner um you know just the whole tom brady adam Schefter thing and, and i know Ugh. jeff passon was on there 
this is also another category where we've pretended this stuff is is journalism and tom brady retiring at that moment was not journalism like him breaking that story was totally inappropriate um totally absolutely and it, it was very clear like whether he wanted to do a video message or whatever tom brady respects the game and respects the the teams we're playing on that sunday to not make the story about him which is the inverse of what aaron Rodgers did where he leaked the story to adam Schefter to say i'm not coming back to the packers on the draft day literally blowing up 250 kids day like just like oh no we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the 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 best players the, the trevor lawrence's the mac joneses the the jamar chase is like nope we have to constantly cover aaron Rodgers and like i do think like going out i have more respect for brady for like making it kind of clear that it was like i'm not gonna do it then i do think he wanted to do it before the super bowl so he can do like you know a glad handing event and maybe they'll have a special moment at the nfl super bowl but like he didn't want to do it right before those sunday games he wanted to respect that competition and you know just you know a little bit more respect for brady for that yeah i think <clears throat> like it's nice to Brady had these two years in Tampa and as annoying as he was as far as like his winning and <laughs> you know but uh yeah the whole chef like Schefter to me is so uh it's just like wants to do the scoop and do the things and like the, all the um information currency sort of thing like I'll do this if you know and being a manipulator of the market in the way that he is. Um, I just don't, I don't like it. Uh, I'm looking at this Kyler Murray stuff. Um, and so he recently like scrubbed his social media accounts and like, I didn't know that there was so much unrest going on in Arizona over him um, or with him, with the organization. Um, and I don't know if this is, you know, a, a move to, you know, get power or whatever, but like, I don't see why that relationship, like, I don't see why Kyler Murray's done great in with the Cardinals. And I think the Cardinals have done pretty well by him so far. I, I'm not quite sure uh, why this is happening. I, yeah. I don't have any insight. This, uh, this falls under my category where I'm totally fine with player empowerment. If he demands a trade, I think, that's totally fine. Like, I think that's appropriate. Um, you know, knowing what I know about the Cardinals organization, like, you know, there was a story, I don't know, it's probably 10 or 15 years old that the owner of the Cardinals, like was told all the players wives that they were doing a charity and they were going to do like a bake off. So they asked them all the, um, wives to do that. And then basically they took all the food and just gave it to like, the guests of the owner in the suite. Uh, I'm sure there was probably technically a donation, but it was like, it wasn't what was portrayed to these uh, spouses of, of, uh, of the players. So I, I think, and there's this endless stories about how terrible this Arizona organization is run. Um, and I know there was like those stories of this like argument between the owner, the GM and the coach. And it was like, tension filled um so i don't know if this is you know kyler feels the toxic toxicity in the building and like he kind of knows that like he might have a shorter time in the nfl versus other players because he's so small and he gets hit so he might want to go to a different team that will preserve him differently 
Um, or if he doesn't get along with Cliff Kingsbury, maybe he feels frustrated that like, you know, Cliff's system is just not set up for his best attributes. Um, you know, I, I do respect that like from a distance, we don't know what a day-to-day player's life is on certain teams versus other teams. And, you know, if Kyler is not happy there, I'm, I'm, you know, I think this is fine for him to do it, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, he also thinks like Cliff is getting blamed for this. And he's like, what are you talking about? That's the one part of the system we're good with is, is our offense. So why are we getting in the way? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it's, I mean, it's so fresh. The I'm sure st- stuff will start to come out, but, uh, and another just like bizarre, you know, or like another QB that might actually be in the mix for a, a new home next year, which would be, I, I thought that, you know, you find a guy who's performing to the level of Kyler Murray uh, in his first few seasons, that's your franchise quarterback. You know, like he's, you know, he did get banged up quite a bit and in back-to-back seasons, <clears throat> his performance dropped off after he got injured, but, um, you know, he's top 10 quarterback in the league. And it's like, you can like, it was not out of the question, especially two-thirds of the way through the season that that was a Super Bowl team. So, um, all right, great. Well, Wait, on, let's on. move Before on we get off that, to... Hold on. Uh, so he's probably worth four first-rounders, I think. Because, like, he has no, he has no off-the-field issues. He's somewhat limited on the field because he's a little smaller. But, so, like, a team would probably have to give four first-rounders for him. But then I thought about this trade, um, and which I think in a lot of ways might be why this is happening. I feel like maybe there's a chance this is happening. But what if they're trading uh, Kyler for Deshaun Watson? Ugh. Ugh. I, I just hate the idea. Of... <laughs> um, Every time Deshaun Watson comes up, I'm just like, oh, I'm so, I'm so dumb. But yeah, I mean, is it a possibility? That's what we should talk. I mean, that would be a crazy. Do, yeah, do they have a lot of first round picks? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's that's the point is that like you both, if you have two unhappy quarterbacks, you can trade for each other, and it doesn't feel like. Listen, I you know I think Deshaun Watson's a better NFL quarterback than Kyler Murray, um, not by mm-hmm. a crazy amount, but I. I if you remove the off-field stuff, I would prefer Deshaun Watson. Um, so I just think that's one of those things where they both can kind of get out of a miserable situations and the teams can justify their trading. Because, like, the hard thing is, like, I really don't know if, you know, the Texans will get what they think they want for Watson and does he sit out a second year? I think he definitely sits out a second year. Um, doesn't want to play for that organization. But... I mean, it would it would be if he sits out if Deshaun Watson sits out another year, um, how much like kind of regression is there? Is does he come back and he's just as good as he ever was? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's still really young, but um, he won't be used to getting hit, so he'll probably have a lot of injuries the first year. Yeah. So sorry, I, it was just it was a weird thing because I was also trying to figure out like could Kyler end up on the Giants, which I I just don't think would probably happen they actually have like two first round picks in the top seven so 
Yeah, yeah. But I just, I don't, I don't, I think, I don't know if Dayball will want, like, somebody who can get as beat up as Kyler. Like, if they're going to go all in, it might be more of a Russell Wilson type of guy, but I don't know. How excited are you for the draft? Ooh, those first, was you got five and seven, is that what you have? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming they're going one offensive lineman and one defensive ed, edge rusher. Um, yeah. Or maybe that if the quarter the cornerback slides down to like seven Stingley, I think mm-hmm. they're definitely taking a big body at five, and then another big body on the opposite side of the ball, or Stingley if Stingley's still there at seven. Oh, that's another podcast. I cannot. I'm like, I find the draft so fascinating. Hey, Mundo, Brado, man. So much has happened since we last did this, but I am back with the weekend reactions that have been building up since Henry finally won a championship. Kudos, congratulations. This is also not gonna do anything uh, as this is not a visual medium, but um, right now I am recording the camera facing the background picture of my daughter, so Amen not be able to grab screenshots of my face to clip me in to a burn. Now, let's get to it. Henry, I congratulated you. Henry, whatever, do it two times, whatever. Uh, Brian Flores, how about that? Happy Black History Month League. That's what we open up with. Never mind Tom Brady retiring. Happy Black History Month League. Woo! Kyler Murray, stirring the pot. Did you guys know that every quarterback follows their teams that they currently play on? Even Tom Brady follows the Patriots, who he did not name in his farewell. So why doesn't Kyler Murray follow the Arizona Cardinals? Why is Kyler Murray posing pictures with Mike Evans? Huh? Oh my God, is Kyler Murray Is Kyler Murray going diva? What? Who said that? Is Kyler Murray doing what Russell Wilson is doing? What? Who said that? Huh. I wonder what Eamon has to say. Oh, the Washington football team. I mean, the commies? Um, wearing all red. Yeah. Uh, don't people usually get fired for making blunders like this? I mean, what's going on? Also, Lovey Smith being hired as the Texans coach. That has to be a wrench. Throw it into Brian Flores' plans for uh, equality and racism, huh? Oh, how about the Dolphins coach? He got hired. He's also black. You know? This is great. This is Black History Month, baby. What's going on? I miss you guys. I really do miss you guys. Willie, my man. What's up? Checking on you. Hope you're doing well out there. Matt, wanna know, man, how was it not being in the finals? I mean, you're always in the finals, right? This is just like a thing. Like, Matt, you're always in the finals. Like, you're not. How does it feel, man? How does it feel not winning? I just, you know, since you're like the pillar of winning, how does it feel? Just wanna know. I know you can't answer me back right now, but how does it feel? What else happened here? Oh, Matt Jones. 
uh, Did the Gritty, and Adam Schefter. Karma is why you're hurt and you did the Gritty. Mr. Editor, I might add. Oh, Patrick Mahomes lost because he turned in to Josh Rosen. I mean, that was an epic collapse. And if you wanna know who I'm rooting for for the Super Bowl, it is the guy I traded to my man Jay in hopes that I would, no, actually Jay traded him to me. I traded him to my man Frank, who I thought was the odds on favorite to win the championship. Um, and now Joe Burrow is at awesome. So I think I had something to do with Joe Burrow being awesome because I was giving him luck and I kind of made him hot in the league. But Joey Burrow, hands down, most swag in the championship. I'm going to go for the Bengals. I took them uh, with the over-under. Uh, you know, being back in America, I can now bet on FanDuel. Um, actually, you know, when I'm in California, I have to call in my bookie to bet put the bets in on my app so but yeah what do we have for prop bets fellas i'm gonna go with cooper cup first person to score a touchdown or maybe i should just go for cooper cup uh definitely gonna score a touchdown because you know it's not the rams aren't actually playing football unless cooper cup scores a touchdown you all know how that goes i would love for odell to get a ring because it would be a kick in the face to Bacon Mayfield and the Browns who think it was him holding them back. But I really think the Super Bowl, and this is gonna sound very tinfoil hatty, but, 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 I think the Bengals are, the Bengals got into the Super Bowl. They won, the defense kept a minute, the offense has been underwhelming, yes. But I think because there's so much betting and gambling and money in football now, Gates are flowing, overflowing, flooded. The Bengals got by on that call in the Raiders game. The Bengals winning is great for gambling because it literally means everybody can win and anyone can win and it gives this false illusion that it's not rigged. But now we can just easily just get all the marquee games, and get all the great, because 49ers in Green Bay did something crazy as far as viewership goes. I, I think the 49ers and the Cowboys did 50 million viewers. Football is now at its peak, highest, most popular sport, uh, it's most popular it's ever been. I cannot wait to see what happens in this Flores case, which nothing probably will. Uh, fellas, this has been the weekend, Ray. Oh, congratulations again, Henry, uh, for winning the championship. Bye, guys. Uh, all right, so let's let's go into the the meat of the you know the meat of our podcast, which is looking at uh, Henry and his team, Holiday Inn Express. Congratulations, Henry, on your you know you were showered with praise um, in the Slack, but. I'm sure it's nice to hear it on the pod as well. Congratulations on a very good season. Um, Well-deserved. And um, you will get to be the champion for at least a year. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look back through his draft um, and then back through the moves that he did throughout the year and, and point out some really big one, big things that we thought made a difference. Um, so... If you want to, while you know following along uh, on the pod, <clears throat> go to the Sleeper app. You can go to the Sleeper app and go to 
uh, league at the top of that. And you can go to the little, whatever it's called, uh, gear icon. And if you click on that and then scroll down to draft results, the next page that'll come up is uh, 2021 season. You can click on that. And that's our draft board from this year. Um, you know, there are some, uh, you know, it's not the easiest thing to follow, but um, you can see uh, where people drafted, where you drafted, where, you know, your um, keeper picks, uh, all that stuff is available there. So um, shall we start at the top here, Amy? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is an exercise I usually do every year is uh, sometimes I do it more than one team. Maybe I'll do it for like Mike's team at some other point. I won't do it on the podcast, but uh, I always go back and look at every, like every champions, like how they got there. Um, and for this part where we're talking about the draft, I break, I break the team down into um, or the draft down into thirds uh, so in this particular version, I would probably say like one through five rounds, one through five, you look at it and you figure out like how many were successful picks and how many were not and how many, and then do the next six and then the next six and try to figure that out and try to like figure out like which were like high end risk reward guys or which ones were just stable, useful players. And, you know, I, I think that just helps me prepare for the next year's draft to understand like. I need to take bigger swings in rounds uh, six through 11 in order to have a chance at the championship, or I need to be more conservative or, you know, just that type of idea. Um, and also like, it also tells me about like, if the team was really dominant from the beginning or did they get breaks? And I, you know, in this case, it's very clear, you know, Henry was the dominant one in our league um, from basically day one. So um but yeah do you want me to run down through his first five picks yeah let's do the first five all right so i'm trying to look up this other stat too but i can't find it um so his first pick was travis kelsey mm -hmm. which i think you know i don't think he finishes um i think uh, mark andrews finishes the one he finished right? yeah but he i think um Oh, it's hard to jump around. I'll read this, and then we'll go back and talk about Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey was 103. Uh, he kept Derrick Henry in the second round for at the 206. Um, this is obviously the difference maker. He drafted Cooper Cup at the 3.6. Um, then I don't think he has a fourth-round pick, but he has two fifth-round picks. Yes, at, 506, yes. at 506, he took TJ Hawkinson, the second tight end, which is interesting. Uh, and then he took OBJ at 5.1. Which, you know, if I look at that, you know, he has basically one miss, I would say. Um, OBJ being a miss. But, you know, he had a solid keeper. And, you know, when you have three guys, after the first three rounds, if you walk away with Kelsey, Derrick Henry, and Cooper Cup, your team yes. is just is just it just has such a high floor that it allows you to do other stuff later on in the draft yeah i mean i think that um you know walking into the into the draft and, and really having josh allen 
uh, not having to go get a a quarterback in the first five rounds uh, was advantageous for him. He could get some positional players and he could miss on one or two of them. Um, and he's, you know, we, we've had him on the pod twice now and he, he was really intentional about the Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, double dip uh, tight end thing and often played uh, TJ Hawkinson and Travis Kelsey in the same week. Cause he thought that's a, not only am I going to lock up a positional advantage um, with Travis Kelsey in most matchups, but I'm going to eliminate, you know, someone who could be a, um, could be competition for him in that position, uh, which I thought was like, like I, it seems to obviously it worked out. He did well. And Hawkinson still had a, a pretty decent season was kind of had a high floor, low, sorry, low floor, high ceiling type of guy. But, um, you know, it was harder to, it made it harder to find uh, a tight end for many teams. Um, yeah, but, you know, for the first 10 weeks, I don't know which week Henry went down, but like um, you, when you're having the RB1 and, and the wide receiver one, and I end up, end up drafting the guy who has a record breaking with an asterisk season as the wide receiver um that's really going to separate you so um i wonder like why because where did where did woods go um, uh he was like three something um i was so he like... was i mean they were they were right back and i think that that was like a a decision that you know on all like preseason podcasts or draft draft season podcasts it's like would you take cup or would you take woods and in hindsight how silly of a conversation is that but well i mean he even he openly admitted he said that on both podcasts we had him on where he was like i didn't it wasn't like i predicted cooper cup i i split my shares between the two um but just just to get back to the kelsey thing because i do think like we're pretending like it's this massively down year like, he finished 30 points behind Mark Andrews, who just had a crazy year. But he was 40 points ahead of the the tight end uh, three. And, like, basically all the other tight ends are at 143. So he was 70 points ahead of the rest of the tight, the tight end wide receiver or tight end one player. So, like, you know, that's why you go get Kelsey. Like, especially at that position is, like, even if it's not – over the top smashing you in the head it's like it's not an, a goose egg or it's not a, a three point um you know two catch 19 yards event um where you're just like god that stinks so i do think that kelsey pick was worth his 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 slot yeah and i, I it's interesting I, i'm not sure when you know people are you, they have like an age for quarterbacks and an age for running backs and wide receivers of like when they start to fall off Kelsey's 32. So it's like, is there, is there another season? I don't know when tight, you know, there's just not that much conversations about tight ends, but like, when do they start to fall off? Um, and like, has Travis Kelsey peaked? I would probably say yes, but um, uh, does that not, does that mean that he's not going to be uh, still a very high end 
tight end moving forward. I think that he's still probably going into next year, the number one still uh, projected. So, uh, okay, cool. Any, anyone else in that, in that first? So you think strategy wise, it was just like, uh, he got a stud. He knew he had a stud in uh, Derek Henry and then started taking kind of more risky picks. Well, um, I think Kelsey and Cooper were definitely safe picks. Like, even though we're saying either or, uh, you know, I think Cooper, Cooper Cup was probably, I think most people thought would be somewhere between wide receiver 15 to 10. Um, mm-hmm. He did a lot better than that. But, like, I think that was a relatively safe pick. Um, and then, you know, the TJ Hawkinson, I think he was probably assuming he could flip him. Um, and that just didn't work out. And, you know, the OBJ, you know, if you go look at that round and the next round or two, it's not like, like after that, it's just like, I don't know if there was a better pick than OBJ. Um, they all kind of suck. Uh, where yeah. was he? Uh, like, so after, uh, yeah, not a lot after of OBJ, things. Robbie Anderson, no. Ryan Fitzpatrick, no. Uh, Melvin Gordon, no. Jamal Williams, no. Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Moore, Kenny Galladay, uh, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones, yeah, Derek D- Carr. D- Debo Samuel's like the next like player that's like good. Like real, Yeah, Debo like... and Jamar Chase were the next ones that like were difference makers that you could have drafted. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, th- there's also that expectation. <laughs> like you don't have to nail that pick. But that's why, it's like, so, it's so funny to just look at that round and how many like whiffs there are in that in in five and six. If you just like look at those, it's like, oh my gosh, so many. I mean, that weren't keepers, right? So many bad players or like bad seasons, not bad players, just bad seasons. So um, you should everybody should remember that when they're like next year when they're trying to figure out if they should go for it. it's like. But what if I miss out on the opportunity to draft uh, Jamal Williams? Like, I can't give up this six-round pick. Yes, right. Or Ronald Jones. Like, I can't give up a chance to take Ronald Jones when Leonard Fournette's clearly the number one there. It's crazy, like, how much better seven and eight were this year than uh, five and six. Like, all right, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do more of this later on this season. But okay, so, like, you just heard the – the list that Eamon read off of uh, like from OBJ on before OBJ, it was Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Leonard Fournette, who ended up being solid. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kittle was a keeper. TJ Hawkinson, Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool, Kenyon Drake, Corey Davis. So like, just put those names in your mind. Plus the ones that Eamon just read. And now I'll read you the seventh round, which is Devontae Smith, LaVisca Chanel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Debo Samuel, Godwin was, a, yeah. God, Godwin was a keeper, Ronald Jones, Mike Gusecki, Teddy Bridgewater, Aaron Jones is a keeper, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, James Conner, Noah Fant, Marquise Brown, Jacoby Myers, Michael Pittman, A.J. Dillon. Like that, that eighth round was some solid, solid players like huge and i don't know if that's just like luck and how the cards fall you never know who's going to be good but like that's a jalen waddle james connor 
Marquise Brown, Michael Pittman, AJ Dillon, like that's pretty solid. Yeah, I think yeah. it's I think it's a weird it's a weird uh anomaly. Um I don't know if this would will happen every year. You know, I don't know if it's a situation where like in the rounds four and five you're really trying to or or five and six, um, you're you're trying to um fill in your starting lineups and then you feel like later you can take bigger chances and this time the chances worked out versus the guys who are just filling your lineup in or not. But, um, yeah, it's a weird thing that, you know, hopefully we remember to look this up next year when we're reviewing the champs team and try to figure out if that same thing happened again. Okay. So now let's look through, uh, the picks from round six to 10. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let me just see. Okay. I think his next pick was Kenny Dolly at six, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I did uh, Jared Goff at seven six. Yep. Uh, where is he? Eight was Michael Pittman, who I predicted for a big season and I tried everything in my power to trade my seventh round pick so I could get him later, but um, not better about that. Uh, and then Josh Allen was a keeper in round nine. Uh, did he not have a tenth? I don't think he had a tenth. I don't think he had a tenth. Uh, so then just, 11. What, who do you have in bonus? Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, he, uh, so let's see. So at six, what do you, who do you have six? Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay. Okay, so, you know, this is the situation where I will say, um, I was trying to look up the stat and I'll, I'll try to keep looking for it later, but I have a stat related to good teams versus bad teams. Um, and I think, I think the numbers were like nine of the top ten running backs. No, nine of the top ten wide receivers were on teams uh, with winning records. Eight of the top ten running backs were on teams with winning records. And I think all ten quarterbacks were in the were top ten. All ten, top ten quarterbacks were on winning teams. Um, yeah. So the moral of the story is pick guys on winning teams yeah like so opportunity sometimes is great and like i i think that's fine around six and seven to take risk on guys who might just be on opportunities but also like maybe focus it more and i think i think probably people thought there was a chance the giants could be a 500 team um but focus like those like fringe guys like i was not in on marvin jones the way a lot of people were and i know he wasn't super high but like i just was like the Jaguars look like a bad situation and he's probably wide receiver two or three. And like, I'm just not excited for that. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's where I think the Kenny Galladay and the Tyler Boyd thing are interesting. Cause I don't know if Tyler Boyd was very good this year, but um, you know, those are guys who had opportunities and were on teams that people were high on. Um, yeah. Tyler Boyd was good towards the end of the year. Um, and like and and I think that's in I think that's the thing with Michael Pittman too is that like he was going to be the number one on a team that was probably going to be pretty good. Uh, I think they were probably they finished where they should out of the playoffs. I don't think they were that great of a team, but um, he was going to be the number one. And like that's that's who the type of guys you want to target. And I think you know he nailed it with that pick. And uh, you know I think 
like I said, this is the type of area where you really want to make sure you're taking gambles on players who are on good teams. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, and probably one that I'll take into uh, next season is like, okay, so when I start taking, uh, not, yeah, kind of like flyer guys, but like, or like building out my roster guys, right? My wide receiver three, uh, maybe my first bench player, um, my RB three or maybe RB four, even at that point is, are they going to be winning? Is this team going to be winning? Uh, and do they have a good offense? Like, and not like, Oh, it could be good. If this, 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 and this falls, but it's like, no, they're good. They're going to be good. Um, they're going to be like, you know, 500 and above now. I understand like what I rather take like a wide receiver two on a winning team or a wide receiver one, the only like exception to the rule that I can think of. And he was only great for, you know, maybe the first eight weeks was Brandon cooks. Um, Cause he was, the, he was a wide receiver one on a abysmal team, but, and he hit for a while and was great. He was what everybody was predicting. Like, Oh, he's going to be great. But then he fell off. So um, I think that that is a, that is something that I will take into my draft next year. Um, all right, let's look at the, the, let's just round it out. I'll read these off. Um, in the 12th round, he took Marvin Jones. Looks like he didn't have a 13th. Oh no, 13th round was uh, <clears throat> used as a keeper for Damian Harris. Uh, 14th round was the Broncos defense. And then 15 was Mark Ingram. 16 was J.K. Dobbins. 17 was Zach Ertz and Davis Mills. Sure. So Zach Ertz turned out to be uh, a pretty good player, but uh, not at the first half of the season. But it, for certain weeks, he was pretty solid for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, uh, so what were the things that like jumped out? Oh, the J.K. Dobbins thing, too, of course. The J.K. Dobbins. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but what kind of jumps out to you in these later round picks? Um, so I'll, I'll just, uh, just bring up J.K. Dobbins really fast. Cause I think it'll be a good point. Um, you know, I think, I think there's no guarantee that the Ravens don't draft another third round running back this year. And, uh, Dobbins doesn't get replaced. Um, uh, I think he was technically a second rounder, but, um, and I think it's fine because Henry didn't have a team that really ever really had like tons of injuries. So you can just stick him in there, and it wasn't problematic for him. Like he had enough depth, and we had the extra bench spot this year. Um, I don't, I don't think he'll keep him. I, I think Damian Harris will be much more valued. I mean, I've already, uh, I, uh, I on the conference championship weekend, I, I reached out to Henry to talk to him about uh, a possible keeper situation, but I haven't heard back yet. So maybe he's not in football mode back yet. He's still celebrating his championship. Um, but the rest of the players, like, I don't think anything popped for him. Other, you know, so that, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I think there was a lot. It'll be interesting if we do how much we look at other people's rosters moving forward. Like, if that's true about most teams that, like, their bottom third of the draft, nothing is really contributable. Um because in this case, I don't really think there was. Like, I think he was hoping Marvin Jones would be a solid, like, fourth, 
wide receiver that you can play and get like eight to nine points, but that didn't really work out. You know, Mark Ingram, like the Mark Ingram uh, type of pick and like stuff like that's just like, here's a guy who's going to get the ball. Let's see what happens. Um, so, I, th- you know, yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. It wasn't how he won the championship. I also don't think he did anything terrible there. So we can probably move on to his weekly transactions. Cool. So let's do that. Um, and again, for those following along in the pod, uh, the way that you can get there is uh, you go to the league button uh, at the top of uh, the homepage and scroll down, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling until you get to recent activity. So this is where you would see all the trades that go in your feed. And then you can say view all, click on that button. And then there should be a, uh, a carrot that's filter. And then from there, you can um, pick the manager uh, that you want to do. In this case, we'll do uh, Henry, and then you click done, and it will show all um, the stats on him. So he had seven trades, uh, 36 free agents, and only five waivers. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to scroll down to the bottom all the way, which is his first uh, free agent. Boston. Oh, a complete trade. Yeah. So is a uh, Boston Scott is his first, tra- uh, first free agent. Uh, so we're just going to kind of scroll up now and talk about ones that had uh, a significant impact on the league and it does not take long. And we see the third from the bottom, which is one Cordrell Patterson. Uh, is that the first one that you see too? Yeah, that's the first one of meaning. Which what week is that? Is that week two or week three? It must be week week two. Yeah, so, yeah. The... He ends in week two. I mean, I mean, he, if you look at his game log, he definitely nailed that moment in a way. Because I don't know if he started him, but that week two, Cordell Patterson had twenty one point four points, then mm-hmm. then thirteen, and then thirty three. So like. You know, I'm not sure if he started him against Tampa, but those next couple weeks where he's just getting like mid double digits, like 13, 14, 15, 16, um, you know, that is, if I could ask for anything, like I, I won't, I wouldn't even ask for like a guaranteed fifth round pick to work out. If you could tell me like I can pick up somebody in week two and they'll get me mid double digits, I'll take that over a fifth round pick working out. Um, mm-hmm. that is just so valuable at that point in time yeah it was interesting because coming into the season it was like mike davis right it was all mike davis there he's going to be great and then that first week i'm sure like I, I don't know how we find mike davis but you know uh cordero patterson never really had a huge snap share uh which is uh represented in his game log as well but that he was, I mean, he, nobody was thinking about Cordero Patterson leading into the season. And then that he got 7.7 points in that first season, that Henry was nimble enough to just be like, okay, I'm going to go pick him up. And then just get like, I think that for many leagues, for many leagues, I mean, the two other leagues, there you go, Ray, there's my, there's your drink. The two other leagues that I was in, person that picked up Cordero Patterson went from like, you know, either they probably jumped 
two or three spots um, in like how scary they were because all of a sudden you have like a running back two every week through week nine and beyond through week like 14 and then sometimes like RB1 like the guy that week so that was a huge pickup for him um you want to keep going yeah yeah i don't think there's anything uh worth talking i mean we can talk about your trade Um, yeah that was it was a trade that really didn't help either of us it was marvin jones and odell beckham for uh alan robinson which you know maybe i don't i don't think anybody won that trade (laughs) I, i don't remember exactly what my analogy was but i basically i think this was the trade where i suggested it was like hey do you want my sour milk Oh, I have some rusty cans, and then you guys just traded yes. sour milk for rusty <laughs> exactly. cans. And it's like, oh, cool. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it was a nothing trade. Uh, and then um, let's see here: Robbie so, Anderson, Geno Smith. Did that have an impact? Well, no, I don't think so. I think he dropped them or traded them. Um, so he does pick up. This isn't the the time that he picks them up that matters, but he does pick up. Rashad Penny right. in October. Now he ends he ends up dropping him uh, two weeks later, um, but like that is the type of like that's the type of thing when you know that's what I love about our deep benches. I know some people don't like it, but like Henry was being aware of a bunch of situations, and it's like, well, Ross, Rashad Penny's not healthy yet, but he's like. And there's like three running backs ahead of him, but if he takes it, you know, historically Seattle just gives the ball to one running back. So let me just store him on my bench. And then he cuts him two weeks later and then picks him up again later. But, you know, that's the type of thing that like having a deep bench allows, like it it allows somebody who's dominating to actually have like more time to think about the game. Cause like usually if you're in a short bench league and you're dominating, like it's just setting your lineup because you don't have room to go like, what about this guy who, isn't going to impact me. If you only have three or four bench spots, like you have to think of guys who you're going to play the next week. So, um, yeah. And then, yeah, there was a Gina Smith trade for Robbie Anderson. I'll pass that. I'll say that's not influential. Um, and then your trade with him again. Yes. This is the Amari Cooper trade. Yeah. He got, uh, Amari Cooper, Justin Fields, uh, and, uh, couple seventh round picks and i got basically just upgraded my draft capital and took on mike white and uh mark ingram you know i think that like it wasn't you know that's not a huge star-studded trade right but i think that like when you have flexibility like that's worth something like maybe he's not playing amari cooper right maybe he's not playing justin fields which he did He, he he put them in from time to time but having the option and having the, like when you're at his level, right? When you're at like, I'm at championship team level. Um, to put guys in, to have guys on your bench uh, and have that flexibility, say someone goes down that you're not panicking. You've at least got like a, a wide receiver two, three with the potential of doing a wide receiver one. And then having a guy that could still, you know, a quarterback that could still uh, perform. You know, I don't think it's like a, 
I, like, I think when we made the, the trade, he's like, I don't really like love this trade. Um, but he was just looking for um, just room, you know, just a little bit more space to like, why carry Mike White and um, Mark Ingram when you can carry Justin Fields and Amari Cooper? And we just showed that the, you know, I got a fourth and a, and a sixth and he got two sevenths. Well, who fucking knows if that's like, if, if those rounds are going to be big hitters in those rounds. So, um, and in the eighth round that we just talked about, that's where, that's where a treasure trove of players were. So it's not like a big trade, but I think that it allowed for um, a team like him to have like a few guys in the bullpen that, that he might be able to bring in to get him through three outs in a certain game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it was. Um, I mean, I don't. I didn't like Amari Cooper or whatever, and uh, I, I don't think he overpaid for anything. But getting a starting quarterback who might have been able to break him out, and uh, I don't think he probably played him too many times. But um, that could have been a guy who defined his championship run in Justin Fields, and you know it didn't work out. But I, I don't think he played paid too crazy of a price. Yeah. All right. So moving on up. Um, let's look at the trade that he had with Frank. Just got Mike Davis, which is probably him shoring up that uh, that Atlanta backfield. Um, he kind of went through like a little trade spree here on the third, fourth, and sixth. I mean, when, you, Carlos, when somebody brings up Carlos Hyde, you got to go trade for him. Yeah, exactly. Go get him. Um, and... Ah, the one with your brother was a, a pretty big deal. I think, again, uh, I'll read out the trade. Your brother got Robinson, Tyler Boyd, and a fifth round. And Henry got Brandon Ayuk, Gibson, and an 11th round. So I think like two players in Gibson and Ayuk who were kind of on the way up. Robinson and Boyd who were um, kind of on their way down. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that just represents like a chance to go like, hey, uh, you're out of the playoffs, or um, you're close to being out of the playoffs, and you really don't have a chance to win. Um, do you want to kind of give me your parts? Because like, I wouldn't say like Gibson was probably a target, but Ayuk was probably just a throw in. Like, hey, do you care? Do you want to throw in Ayuk? Um, which I think was more important. I think because he was like better. Because um, you couldn't play Gibson when you wanted to because he was bad. And then when you were like, oh, he's hurt, so I won't play him, he, he had those dominant games. Um, but I think it was, he was really solid down the stretch from you know week 11. He had uh, 18 points, 11 points, 7, 15, 4, 12, 11. Like that's, you know, if you can get that into your flex or your third wide receiver, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. That's the type of way you fill out your championship lineup. So if we just go a couple swipes up, the thing that jumps up to me is that he's playing around with that Seahawks backfield, right? Is it Collins? uh, And he's he's knowing that there's value there to get. Um, I mean, he, he adds and drops Rashad Penny at least two times. 
maybe three times. Um, yeah, two. Yeah. I, I lost you after you said uh, picked up Rashad Penny two or three times. Damn it. You talked for a while. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So we're swiping up and we're looking at his moves. And I think, you know, basically he's, he's looking at the Seattle backfield and trying to pick up um, anybody who he, he can get touches from. Because he ends up picking Rashad Penny up. Uh, he picked up Alex Collins, but he picks up Rashad Penny on uh, uh, November 27th. Or, sorry, no, I dropped him on November 27th. Picks him up on December 7th, drops him, and then picks him up again on December 11th, which then leads into crazy Rashad Penny end of season. Um, you know, he had a dominant game against Houston with 26.3. Then... The Rams, he had the 5.4, so I don't, I don't know if he got nervous about starting him. But then the last two weeks, he had 19.3 and uh, 31.5. So, like, you know, that was the last kind of nail in the coffin of, like, I've just pulled most levers this year, and they, they worked out so well. Um, and I think, you know, that will be, you know, that's how he wrote the story. Is like he got all the right moves at the right times. I think... For the most part, if you were to come up with, like, what were the most interesting stories that defined fantasy seasons, I think so many of them happened in Henry's team that it's, you know, it's hard to think about the other stories. Like, I think you think about Derrick Henry, you think about Cooper Cup, you think about Josh Allen, and then, like, Cordell Patterson and, and, and Rashad Penny and, like, how they're, like, waiver wire ability affected the entire league and dominated. Like there's a few other stories I think you could say that about. Um maybe like a Jalen Waddle as a great draft pick and Jamar Chase. Um but so many of them just lie and, and you know that's I think that's why people think it's luck, but I, I think that all these moves as we kinda went through them um were just like a proactive manager being informed and being willing to try stuff and also willing to move off stuff when it doesn't work. Yeah. I think it goes to show too, how like incredibly tough it is just to win a championship. Like it is. So one or two of these moves go the other way, even though he's like, even though he's um, poking around Rashad Penny and uh, you know, which ended up being a, a big thing for him or like, you know, he if Ray drafts ends up drafting Cup instead of Woods, you know, like what that does. Whereas it's it's so hard to like get all the way through a season, and the diligence that it takes to, uh, you know, be patient with like waivers, but like frisky with free agents, like <laughs> all that, like knowing when to shoot your shot on a waiver. And knowing when to like just wait and do like the pre agent dance. Um, I think that it's, you know, I don't think it's entire, entirely luck. And I don't think it's entire, entirely skill. I think that there is like a middle area where it's like it, a couple things fall your way and you, you need things to fall your way luck wise, um, you know, for you to win. A whole season um because there's you know there's plenty of skill league and in in other leagues but in this skill in this league especially 
as far as like research and and uh, combing through the data. Uh, and then there's, you know, sometimes the ball gets thrown to Tyler Higby instead of Cooper Cup. Um, and in that game, and that, that that's what gets you over the hump. But um, I digress. So uh, anything else you want to say on, on Henry's season to kind of wrap up this segment? Um. No, I mean I, I'm very I'm very interested to see what his keeper selections will be, because um, I think if I was him, I would try to run it back. Um, because I don't think whatever you do with your first and second round pick is going to be better than walking out with Cooper Cup and Derrick Henry, um, and then Josh Allen. I think is automatic keeper, but uh, that that's. That's a, when I look at a season, I, I just want to look forward to, and think about what a team will be next year. And personally, that's what I would probably do just because, like, like everybody talks about, like you were talking about, like, it doesn't matter if you get a player at their peak or past their peak or whatever. Are they going to deliver this? Mu- like, the idea of, like, getting players on their peak and their best season or whatever doesn't matter. If you're, if you're drafting Cooper Cup next year, does he basically have... Devonte Adams level numbers over the last three years. I'm assuming everybody will expect that. They won't expect his like Cooper Cup level numbers. And if you can keep that for a second round pick, it's worth it. Um, so sure. that you know that's the part that I'm interested. Like Travis Kelsey, he'll be a top six or seven pick in our league again this year. Um, yeah. Just because it's just that type of locked in value is so valuable, and you can see like. You know, other than, like, if you take away Henry's keepers, you know, his team, he didn't, like, completely blow up the draft. And the two other players who defined their season, Cordell Patterson and Rashad Penny, were were just free agents. So it's like, I'm not saying Henry had a bad draft, but it's not like when you look at the people he drafted in the draft, it's like, oh, my God, so many steals. Like, yeah. So, I mean, like, those tent poles, right? So, like, kind of one of the, this is what I'm taking away from like the analysis or the, the yeah the analysis of looking at his team. It's like get those tent poles right, get those like studs uh, at whatever cost, and then fill in you know the meat on the bones on players on winning teams. Uh, maybe that's a strategy to like go into the draft with that um, you know could lead to some success. All right. So before we go, any like anything else before we're going to wrap that up? You good? Uh, I'm good with that. But what I will, I think we should talk about our off season plans here. I think sure. The way I yeah. think I I was thinking about it is we'll do uh, an episode every two weeks, just because uh, as you guys are hearing, there's a lot of audio issues in this particular one. I don't know. Maybe it's because the time of day is a little earlier than normal. And more people are on the internet in LA or Brooklyn. Um, so the, this will take, take a little bit of editing, but they always take a little bit of time editing. So I don't want to do more than one a week, but they might also be longer. Um, and Matt, you can just take a break and have a cup of tea and uh, come back to it a couple days later and it'll, it'll be all good. Uh, it's not time sensitive, so that'll be good. Um, but right now we have a list of things that I've come up with. And I think Brad, you have your own list. Which yep. will definitely probably take us there, but I'll just run down some of these. So we just did how Henry became champion. Um, 
I don't know if this will be the next one, but I don't know what order these will. Or these are just the ones I have written down. So, uh, our preseason preseason takes reviewed. Um, <laughs> Should be, be fun. fun. Lots um, of egg on the face. The next three or the next three listed will be. We'll do one podcast per division and just go over each division. Um, I have a rank up uh, uh, episode where we just talk about players who went to a new level, like. A, we probably won't do these guys because they're so obvious, but obviously Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor, where it's like they were kind of like in this tier, but that now it's like they're definitively top three guys in drafts, uh, ranked down. Somebody like a DeAndre Hopkins or a CMC. Um, fantasy moves, like just like dream moves, like whether it's like Aaron Rodgers, they want like you want Aaron Rodgers to go to Denver, so those wide receivers become valuable, or. You know the thing I'm I've spent a lot of my time thinking about is where does Calvin Ridley and Chris Godwin go? Uh, I have some ideas about those places that might be interesting, and like oh that will that make me want to go get those guys. Uh, we'll do a free agency preview, which will kind of break down uh, who we'd like to go where. Uh, free agent review, draft preview, draft review, um, and then I think we'll also do an episode where we just review all the rookies from fantasy this year and see what we can apply to them moving forward and also apply to incoming rookies to understand like you know as good as javante williams was was he worth the pick uh what does this say and like where is the line that you would have to have drafted javante williams for him to be worth a keeper and it would probably have to have been like eight or nine but like we'll, we'll look at that type of stuff yeah, and like I'd, I'd like to do um, an episode live. Like maybe we'll do a a, a long uh, draft. You know, Eamon hasn't agreed to this, but I'm putting it on putting it on him right now. Uh, watch the, the draft, the first round of the draft, uh, live and comment um, and do a pod, which could be our, you know, kind of our our review of the draft live. So uh, that, and then kind of maybe the one that I'm excited about too, that Aiden already mentioned is the, um, the free agency. I think that's got a lot of meat to it as far as stuff for us to talk about new landing spots. Um, and then I think that, you know, we'll have, we'll have uh, some guests if people want to come on and break up their off season. Uh, and just kind of talk about, you know, if someone wants to join us for a live or if someone wants to get on one of these, uh, just jump in the Slack, let us know, like, hey, I'd love to do one about, uh, you know, potential landing spots or blah, 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 blah. Um, feel free to give us more ideas in the Slack or things that you guys want to hear about. Um, and we'll be sure if there's one that really jumps out, we'll be sure to, to do a pod on it. And Frank, you can uh, just put it in the chat, which one you want to do, and we'll, we'll set that up. <laughs> uh all right so hand on heart who you taking this sunday give me a, a a winning team and a score oh um uh i'll say all right i'll do it uh i'll say cincinnati 34 rams 31 Whoa, a big scoring occasion. I am going to go um, 
Cincinnati 28, Rams 27. And a very, you know, like a, a last drive, Joe Burrow, one for the ages, touchdown. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks so much. I hope everyone's doing well in the new year. Uh, nice to be back on the pod. We'll start generating some more content for you guys to pass along your day. Um, all the best. Talk with you soon. Peace out. Peace out.